While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow, but I'll be joined by you at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on with me tonight. Um, so a major announcement happened from that. You know, we don't, obviously, we don't cover a lot of national stuff here, but this is super important. And it does, you know, kind of coincide with a lot of, I don't know, I'd say f- philosophical arguments on criminal justice that's happening around here, you know, around this area. You know, you have the, the DA's race between uh, Rasan Hall and Tim Cruz, two starkly different candidates, you know, incumbent Republican Tim Cruz and challenger Democrat Rasan Hall. Um, once uh, probably, you know, a more traditional, uh, I would say Tim Cruz more of a, you know, traditional, um, you know, right-leaning uh, prosecutor, Rasan Hall, uh, you know, more in the mold of a Rachel Rollins. And then on here, over here in, in Bristol County, you have the sheriff's race, and you have you have you know Tom Hodgson, the you know conservative lightning rod, um, Bristol County sheriff, you know friends with uh, President Donald Trump, went to see him at the White House several times, sat with him at the Oval Office, or I mean st- stood with him on the, at the Oval Office, and you have Democrat challenger Paul Harrow. Uh, again, a more progressive-minded, um, more progressive-minded uh, mayor of uh, Attleboro and a corrections administrator. So you you have sort of these warring philosophies on on basically the criminal justice system and how it should be administered, right, and how it should be executed and administered. And uh, it's part of a broader national conversation that's happening in a way that hasn't it hasn't happened in in quite some time. But I think do a lot of people do recognize that even if you might not be a more progressive-minded reformer, I think a lot of people do recognize the way that we've traditionally done things in terms of the way that we've traditionally done done things uh, hasn't worked well. You know, I think everybody agrees that there, our drug laws are outdated. And that they've needlessly ruined a lot of lives. Um, you know, it was striking to me when Sheriff Hodgson said 80%, 80, 80, 80% of the people held at the House of Correction are there for drug offenses. And most people being held at Houses of Correction everywhere 
are being held because they're charged with drug offenses, not because they've been convicted of them. So, and a lot of times it's, you know, sometimes it's trafficking. Most of the time it's not. Maybe sale, uh, possession with intent, or simple possess- even simple possessions if the person has a record that's bad enough. But President Biden made a major announcement today. And if you haven't heard it, because it happened while we were off the air, uh, it happened about 45 minutes after Barry Richard went off the air. Um, I do want to play it for you now. This is President Biden speaking around 345 this afternoon. As I said when I ran for president, no one should be in jail just for using or possessing marijuana. It's already legal in many states. And criminal records for marijuana possession have led to needless barriers to employment, to housing, to educational opportunities. And that's before you address the racial disparities around who suffers the consequences. While white and black and brown people use marijuana at similar rates, black and brown people are arrested, prosecuted, and convicted at disproportionately higher rates. So today, I'm taking three steps to end this failed approach. First, I'm announcing a pardon for all prior federal federal offenses for the simple possession of marijuana. There are thousands of people who are convicted for marijuana possession who may be denied employment, housing, or educational opportunities as a result of that conviction. My pardon will remove this burden on them. Second, I'm calling on all governors to do the same for state marijuana possession offenses. Third, the federal government currently classifies marijuana as a Schedule I substance, the same as heroin and LSD, and more serious than fentanyl. It makes no sense. So I'm asking the Secretary of Health and Human Services and the Attorney General to initiate a process to review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law. Even as federal and local regulations of marijuana change, important limitations on trafficking, marketing, and underage sales should stay in place. Too many lives have been upended because of our failed approach to marijuana. It's time that we right these wrongs. So that's a major announcement. Now, for clarity, uh, this is just for simple possession of marijuana, right? So someone who just, at, at the federal level, that doesn't happen very often. Simple possession. I mean, in a lot of states, it doesn't happen at all because it's not a crime. But at the federal level, between 1992 and now, I think, twenty or uh, last year, 2021, about 6,500 people have been convicted of a simple possession of marijuana over the last 30 years in 1994 is or 19, the early night was 92 or 94 is when Biden uh, champions the that um, you know a lot of the uh, omnibus legislation that had strengthened convictions around marijuana possession in fact you know this is this is actually kind of local a lot of one of the one of the main catalyzers for one of the 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 catalytic events for the drug war as it is today i mean there's a lot it's not just this you know you nixon declared the war on drugs in the early 70s reagan ramped it up he had the dare program the just say no program that was nancy reagan's whole legacy but Really, when they started to kick it into another gear was when Len Bias overdosed. Len Bias, Boston, when he got drafted by the Boston Celtics in 1986, he, Tip O'Neill of Boston, was the Speaker of the House at the time. And 
he was scheduled to meet Len Bias for lunch a couple days after the draft. Maybe even the next day. He was supposed to have lunch with Len Bias in Washington, D.C. The number two pick of the draft. A lot of people said, oh, he was the next Jordan. Right, He was going to be Jordan's rival. Uh, he was a great player, for sure. Number two pick. And the Celtics had just won the championship. They think they were... That was the year, 86, that was the year they were 67 and 15, had went 40 and 1 at home. One of the greatest teams of all time. Some people say the greatest team of all time. I think they're top five. I think they're definitely a top five all-time team. After Larry Bird had just won his third straight MVP. So they were rolling. If they get a guy like Len Bias, that's equivalent to the, the Lakers, you know, when they, they won the championship and they had the number one pick and they got James Worthy. Right, that was there. That would have been there, James Worthy, if he had panned out. You never know; people can bust. But Len Len Bias is fam- famously said before he took the fatal dosage of uh, cocaine was, uh, "I'm a horse." Someone asked him this. Off. He said, "I'm a horse." Um, but that's a really that's one of the the catalytic events for for ramping up the drug work. Because Tip O'Neill was the speaker of the house. He was, you know, he had constituents calling him screaming bloody murder. You know, there was legitimate outrage. Some illegitimate outrage too. There's, you know, there's all kinds of media coverage saying, you know, bias had some sort of super crack or something like that. Um, but and then a few months later, they passed the, um, you know, this omnibus drug legislation that really cracked down on the, you know, really create helped create the crack cocaine disparities and sentencing uh, sentencing disparities in crack cocaine, which of course were enforced along racial lines um, because of the usage. Of of crack and crack cocaine and regular cocaine, but Biden, you know, Biden. I said this when he was running, and when he was running in twenty twenty, you know, in the primary when I wasn't you know, definitely wasn't supporting him at all in the primary. You know, now I of course I support him over Trump, but I said Biden's running to correct the mistake. His platform is correcting the things that he screwed up because Biden was never been a. You know, just the casual observer of, uh, observer of history. Biden throughout from the day he walked into the Senate at 30 years old, one of the youngest elected senators in American history, from the day he walked into the Senate, has had his hand on just about every single major policy decision and reform in American history. Most of the worst ones, including the ramping up of the drug war. And the early the crime bill, the early nineties, that Clinton signed into law. I think a lot of people called it the Biden crime bill. But it implemented harsher sentences for marijuana possession. And they were proud of it at the time. He was proud of it at the time. But maybe not necessarily him, him or people in his orbit realized that that was a mistake. Kamala Harris, same thing. She made her bones as a DA. Prosecuting marijuana offenses and literally, and I mean literally, laughed at a at a reporter who asked her if she would, when she was attorney general of California, laughed at a reporter who asked her, hey, would you ever consider uh, legalizing marijuana? What do you think of legalizing marijuana in California? She laughed it off. She laughed it off. But now you see Biden or people in Biden's orbit, 
people that Biden needs to vote for him have recognized that this is an issue that everybody's pretty much agreed that we need to move forward on. Massachusetts, we've already done it, right? We did it back in 2016. We may have did a, I think we did medicinal in 2012. Someone correct me on that if I'm wrong, but we did medicinal in 2012. I'm pretty sure. And fully recreational in 2016. Colorado, I believe, is, might have been the Colorado. Yeah, because it was in, in, in 2012, Colorado and Washington had went. Yeah, in 2012, Colorado and Washington had went fully recreational. And those were the first two states, I believe, to do that, to vote for fully recreational marijuana. And then there was some issues with Eric Holder and, you know, him saying, I got to enforce laws and all that. I remember that. But Holder, by and large, agreed to to stay out of it. And he, he actually himself started um, telling prosecutors to recommend less stringent sentences for marijuana convictions and even drug possession convictions. And that all got scrapped when Sessions took over after after uh, after Trump had won. But this is a major, major announcement. Not that it's going to impact this particular, like pen to paper, this particular executive order. It doesn't, it's not a cure-all and it doesn't, it doesn't impact as many people as you think it would. It's, it's like putting pen to paper on this executive order scrubs the conviction of about 6,500 people who have have on their record a federal marijuana possession offense. And I wonder how they got there, uh, honestly, um, because typically the... U.S. attorneys have a lot, have a lot more things to deal with, have a lot more serious things to deal with than a simple possession of marijuana. It could have been, you know, bundled with, uh, you know, multiple other charges, perhaps. You know, a simple possession of marijuana, because they typically have more things to worry about. But. Um, but in any event, this also erases the convictions of, cause this has jurisdiction over DC too. So people who are caught in DC with marijuana convictions, because uh, DC isn't their own state, you know they're they're basically they're basically governed by Congress um, and the president. So DC has uh, D- a few thousand other people in DC too, and um, I'm reminded that uh, there was um, a decriminalization of marijuana too. Um, was possession of an ounce or less was was decriminalized. I mean, there's still. He still is putting in, he still, he still keeps, so people with, you know, possession with intent to distribute at the federal level or trafficking are still going to have their convictions uh, for now. And this only applies to citizens or legally, people who have legally resided in the United States. So undocumented immigrants, 
who had a marijuana conviction of simple possession, however many that may be, uh, did not get their convictions uh, scrubbed by this executive order. It's a step in the, and he's calling on the attorney general to review, you know, which, you know, which substances could be scheduled and not scheduled and all of that. Uh, but he also had encouraged, and maybe this will, maybe some governors will take action on this. I mean, there, this is a, this is an election year for a lot of governors, uh, governor, uh, governor seats, including the one here in Massachusetts. So you wonder how much this actually uh, plays a role in that. Well, play, it won't play a role in this election because this election, this governor's election has already been decided. But I'd wonder if Maura Healy would take action on this, would follow suit with President Biden after she's elected. I'm assuming she's going to be elected, by the way, guys. I think you all are, too. But I'd wonder if a future Governor Healy would follow the Biden administration and take action on this. One, because I think it's the right thing to do. And she might think it's the right thing to do. And two, because I think we're all I think we're all in agreement that that governor that 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 Attorney General Healy, um, realistically has national aspirations, uh, can be a national figure. I think in 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 politics. I mean, she certainly made a name for herself uh, going after the Trump administration. So I'd wonder if she's you know she has the power to pardon. Scrub basically marijuana convictions for everybody in the Commonwealth that's ever been uh, convicted of pos- uh, simple possession of marijuana. There's quite a few of them. I don't know how much of a barrier it is for them now, but I wonder how that's going to impact how things are done here. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for sure. It doesn't, like I said, pen to paper, it doesn't get done exactly like it's not the cure all. Uh, but it's a step in the right direction. One that I didn't really expect from him, honestly, because he's always had that opinion, you know, that that sort of early '90s tough on crime opinion on on drug and uh, you know the enforcement of drug laws. But one that I think it's a big move. And yeah, of course, it's done in time for the the it's done in time for the election. I, we know that it's done in time for the the midterm election. Um, you hope you do these things sooner. I remember, uh, President Obama pardoned about a thousand or so. I think he pardoned about a thousand or so people for drug convictions. It might have been marijuana convictions specifically, but he did it like a few months before. I think it was like Trump was measuring the drapes at the time he was doing this. I think it was a few months before, like two months before he left office, he decided to to do that. think you could do it a lot sooner right but i again i think a step in the right direction it's especially for an administration that's 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 led by two people joe biden and kamala harris that really made their careers on the backs of uh you know uh, on the really made their careers championing the things that they're trying to undo now it's strange 508 996-0500. Listen, I got to take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. 
508-996-0500. So here's the thing, too. With and, uh, This is what's interesting about Biden's uh, next move to have the, to begin the review by the Department of Justice to see where marijuana is classified. Because as he mentions, marijuana is scheduled one um, above to schedule one substance on the federal schedule. Now, states have their own classifications, right, of what's a, you know, like Massachusetts class, class A, class B, class C, D, E, etc. Um, I had one marijuana case when I was practicing, and it was a uh, intent to distribute multiple bags and a scale and cash. Uh, did not get a, no conviction on that though. So, but anyway, um, so basically marijuana is a schedule one substance and, uh, there's basically two ways to change the schedule and the schedule is based on like, you know, levels of harm or potential for harm, right. That it can cause. There's basically two ways to, t to change the schedule. One is that Congress can just do it. They can obviously just write a law and pass it saying this is a schedule this, this is a schedule that, or change the way that it's scheduled. Congress can pass a law. Second way, which is the way that Biden's trying to do it, trying to do, which he could have done the whole this whole time, honestly, is he's getting he's reviewing you know he started a review by the department of justice and that'll have to go through the department of health and human services uh reviewing the classification of marijuana and the controlled substances act uh, the controlled substances act is the is the law that made the um that made the scheduling it was passed in i think the early 70s was passed. Pretty sure it was, pa it was passed under Nixon. So Biden has the power to do this. It just has to go through one of these official reviews by the Department of Justice and the Department of Health and Human Services. But he can change the scheduling on marijuana, really on any drug. He's able to do that. I think they're focusing right now on marijuana. But that requires, again, a review from the Department of Justice and a review of the health, uh, health and Human Services to determine some type of some type of, you know, uh, you know, whether it causes a certain amount of harm. It's kind of a shame, honestly, that he's had the power to do this the whole time. And it wasn't one of the first things he did, but he's just doing it now a month, a month or two before he's probably going to lose one chamber of his, uh, one chamber in, in Congress. And losing one chamber almost, is almost as good as losing both because he's going to lose the House, most likely. He's most likely going to lose the House. So I think he's going to keep the Senate. I've said this a few times. <clears throat> I've had some people argue with me about it. Um, but I think they're going to expand their lead in the Senate. I think they're going to have, I think they're going to win Pennsylvania. I think they're going to win Georgia. Uh, they're going to keep they're going to keep Georgia and uh, Arizona. I think they're going to win Pennsylvania. Nevada is a 50-50. Um, Ohio's Ohio, I would bet on the Republicans keeping that seat. 
although J.D. Vance is a bad candidate. Tim Ryan's not a great candidate either. Ohio, I, I would bet on the Republicans keeping that seat. But Pennsylvania, Georgia, those are going to be the big ones. And I think maybe Wisconsin. I think the Republic, I think the Democrats are going to be plus one or plus two in the Senate, but they're going to lose the House most, most likely. They're very likely to lose the House. Everybody's projecting that, that the Democrats keep the Senate and lose the House. So basically, kind of a rehash of 2010 or even 2018 on Trump's side, where you maintain majorities in the Senate, but you lose you lose your majorities in the House, which in a lot of cases, you know, I mean, keeping the Senate's valuable for confirming cabinet appointments and confirming uh, judicial appointments. The Senate's absolutely more valuable than the House, uh, frankly. No offense to our, you know, friends of the show, like Congressman Keating or Jake Auchincloss, but losing the Senate, you know, the Senate allows you to, to, to confirm presidential nominees to both the cabinet, the federal government, and the bench, you know, and the Supreme Court. So the Senate, keeping the Senate's definitely more preferable, but in a lot of cases, losing one is basically losing both because the Speaker of the House or the Senate president decides what goes on the floor. Remember Mitch McConnell said that? They were trying to ask him, like, why don't you put this on the floor? It was a bill. He said, "Because I decide what goes. Because I decide what goes on the floor and what doesn't. And so, with this scheduling thing, like it's good that Biden's taking these steps, but he could have done it sooner, right? And if there was an issue with reschedule, like with rescheduling the drugs through his, you know, review process in the Department of Justice and the Department of Public Health, he could have had Congress back him up." And offer some legislative uh, support. Frankly, it's kind of baffling to me that they haven't tried already. Now, I know they can't because of the filibuster and all that. And that's what's, you know, that's what the shame is, really. That they've got a majority, but they can't get a lot done. You know, they can't get done everything they want to get done because of some silly parliamentary rules. But it's still a big deal. Again, I was I was I was really floored when uh, Sheriff Hodgson had said that eighty percent of the people being held at the House of Correction. I guess that could have led to another question I, I would have had for him. Honestly, when you're talking with the sheriff, um, the conversations are you know he's loquacious himself. He has a lot to say, and you know everybody's calling, and that's great. I want you to call and talk to the sheriff. That's all we have the show. Uh, but you know, I want to follow up on stuff, but he's, you know, he's talking, he's doing his thing and I'm like, okay, well he's got to explain, you know, he's answering a question, but 80% is a lot. 80% is it, it almost makes you think maybe most people that are there probably shouldn't be there to begin with. Right. Um, maybe most people in, in his house of correction, other house of houses of correction throughout the, the state and throughout the country really shouldn't be there to begin with. Maybe it has a lot to do with some of our you know, antiquated laws around drugs and, you know, cash bail. That's another conversation. I mean, Massachusetts has definitely done a better job of, than I think a lot of states, of reining in, um, you know, draconian drug <clears throat> restrictions. And, you know, when I talked to, remember, I, if you'll remember a few, a couple months ago when we had D.A. Cruz on, D.A. Uh, DA Cruz from Plymouth County, He's a Republican and, you know, he hasn't, he does definitely doesn't label himself as a progressive, but I asked him like, what do you, what would you say about a, you know, possession class B? 
a possession class B that um, of someone with a, like a clean record, right? And he said, well, if we have a possession class, if we have like a simple possession of like cocaine or something of class B and someone has no record, you know, their bop is clean, then we'll probably divert it, right? Probably divert it. Diverting means basically, you know, in that case would probably be a dismissal. I've had a lot of, I've had simple possession cases, a lot of them when I was practicing be dismissed. Again, I think Massachusetts does a better job with the, you know, the 2018 criminal justice reform law and just generally, you know, just generally being a bit more open-minded about how these laws should be enforced. But across the country, that's not always necessarily true. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Good evening. What's up? So we've got Biden focusing on marijuana because that's of utmost importance. Well, it is, it's pretty important. And, and you're thinking maybe he could have stepped up and gotten something done with that earlier on in his presidency. Yeah, I definitely think so. Like he could have done what he's doing now. He could have done it on day one. That could have been the first thing he did or it could have been one of the first things he did. No, they couldn't. They were busy focused on January 6th and and all kinds of distractions. Uh, that's true. Here's what I think about the whole situation with marijuana. I couldn't care less if everybody ever, you know, convicted of a crime relating to marijuana unless they're literally pushing it on, you know, the youth. Sure. Sell it to adults, do, do it all day long, who cares? I just cannot understand how many which ways this presidency, this administration, will figure out what to focus on before doing anything at all to address the fact that we have people dropping all around us every single day from fentanyl, which is killing people. people. There's very few arguments that that marijuana is lethal and 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 traumatizing people, you know, from 18 to 40. Mm-hmm. We're not having, you know, there's lots to be said, you know, for. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Trump administration did a lot about fentanyl. I don't think Trump Trump did a lot didn't do anything about fentanyl either, right? No, we've yeah. got to stop the fentanyl from flooding the streets, killing people on a daily basis. Sure. And until that is done, I don't think there's anything to do with. Anything else that this administration has done, zero. That, to me, should be the number one focus from everybody in Congress, everybody in the Senate, everybody in this administration. And until they do that, there's nothing they're doing that matters to me at all, at all. It's disgusting. I don't understand why nobody's focused on it, zero. Well, they can do more than one thing at a time, right? Well, they, 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 well, I'm not sure they can. (laughs) Unless they're jamming through bills that are so, like, bloated, they're not handling anything to do with the flood of fentanyl. I mean, what has anybody even presented that they do? Nobody. Oh, no, I, I agree. I think more could be done uh, More could be done with the opioid epidemic. I don't think anything has been done in a long time uh, at the federal yeah, level about nothing's it. Nothing's being done. Nobody seems to care. It's like, I agree. oh, that generation, who needed them? You know, like... <laughs> I, I don't get it. I mean, the the sheriff is, is running around coming up with all kinds of ideas of how to, you know, when you've got 80% of the people dealing with drug convictions, it's not all fentanyl, but a yeah. lot of it has to do with drugs. So as far as I'm concerned, either legalize every single one of them and take the guns and, and violence out of it or crack down on it. 
you can't just be playing the middle because it's not working. It never has. Uh, I'm a big fan of the former, honestly. I think that's a good. I think that's a. I think that's a good policy. I mean, legalizing crack down on violence. I mean, you've got gangs, you've got violence, you've got death, you've got dying. Unfortunately, people that are going to take fentanyl or take drugs that they that they know could kill them are kind of going to do it anyway, yeah. whether or not it's legal. So, so, so I think the gun violence. The young kids having guns throughout the city. I don't know how many I've heard in the past couple of years of young teenagers running around with guns. And I hate to say it, but I, I even think some of that has to do with drug activity. Or at least, I don't know where these guns are coming from and getting in their hands. But I think those need to be focuses and, and less, you know, and great. Free all the marijuana people. Just open the doors and let them all out tomorrow. What, you know, I don't think that's going to really... Uh, threaten people's lives as much as the fentanyl and that's all sure. i have to say on that i appreciate the call thank you yeah no i, I agree more can be done about the opioid ep epidemic for sure um and the federal government could take more action on that that's true that's entirely true in terms of legalization of of, of all drugs i mean a lot of people and i think this is the right way of looking at it like regulate it you know obviously legalize and regulate um is something you know i'm not unsympathetic to because you look at if you look at you know pro everybody brings up the 1920s and prohibition and from 1920 to 1933 uh there was you know the the, the federal government basically um had created uh a massive criminal organization center centered around the manufacturing and distribution of alcohol you know al capone saint valentine's day massacre right we all know about that we all know that history there was the the first scene of boardwalk empire one of the first scenes of boardwalk empire when they said when the clock strikes you know nucky thompson the the crime lord says when the clock strikes midnight you know all alcohol is going to be illegal you know, by the federal government, God bless those stupid bastards, remember? Because they were going to make a ton of money off of it, and they did. So, and that's what's happening now, right? There's a lot of um, nefarious organizations and forces making a lot of money from, from, from illicit sales and trafficking of drugs. And one of the ways to do that is to bring it into a legitimized market is, is one of the best ways to do it. You know, the marijuana industry right now is worth an estimated $33 billion. Imagine that thirty-three billion for uh, an industry that's not even federally legal. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Hey, I think uh, you need to go back before uh, prohibition. You, I, I, you must have studied this uh, as a law student. Um, the opioid, uh, the op the opium laws, right? It, that was closer to the nineteen uh, tens. The aughts, 19 aughts, right? Marcus? Uh, yeah, no, I'm listening. Yeah, so, in, in, so, so opium was legal. And, but there was a, an issue with China was producing the stuff. And, and the, but the opium laws, and if anybody wants to Google it, they can and, and see kind of how this all came about. Before, people used to take, uh, uh, heroin and morphine and their cough syrup, and they they became addicted in the uh, in the nineteen teens. Right, and then they made it illegal, and all of a sudden, these people went from being opioid addicts because of you know that was acceptable criminals 
And that's when <laughs> all of a sudden, hey, there's money to be made. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and prohibition exacerbated that in terms of alcohol. But the but the laws have always made it lucrative for people to break them. Yes. And, and so I agree with the last caller that you, you look at the lottery, right? The lottery took took away the numbers from the mob. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's and, true. And 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 and, and although it, it's it's, it's kind of strange why you keep hearing about these busts where people are uh, transporting a lot of marijuana, you still hear that in the news. Yeah, and because I, I mean, why would you buy illegal marijuana when you can go to the dispensary right down the road here, right up from you? Right on Alden Road. Right. Um, it's a lot easier because it's better. Well, is it cheaper or better? Maybe it's better quality or. Yeah, I don't think it's cheaper, but it's easier. And yeah, I think it is cheaper. There's no tax on it. It's, it's cheaper. It's cheaper, and it's it's you know it's regulated. The dose, you know no, what no, you're no, getting. I mean, I mean, some people who are local farmers who grow it. And you know, oh. share it with their friends. Of course, they don't sell it because they're. Yeah law-abiding citizens, but the people who share it with their friends are probably grown just about the same quality, and it's a lot cheaper in trade, of, yeah. you know. Right. But, but um, so, so there is that, right? But, it, so I, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but the, the fentanyl is so dangerous, it's so scary. Yeah. Can you imagine, you know, colorful pills? I know, like yeah, candy. I know. Every, I mean, it's it's almost every day. There's a new panic with fentanyl too. It's like, it's going to be in this. It's going to be in that. Now there's candy. It's it is terrible. Hey, listen, uh, you call back. I got to take this break. I, I appreciate right, the call. Up. Thank you. Fourteen twenty. W. Looking at the federal guidelines, uh, one of the determining factors is that the controlled substance um, is. Uh, how how a controlled substance is scheduled is the level of medicinal use. Schedule one has no medicinal value, um, and schedule two, like cocaine, is schedule two because there's medicinal grade cocaine, and opiates are schedule two. But marijuana is schedule one, which means it has no medicinal value. That isn't that is flooring. That is incredible. We have been so wrong on so many things for such a long time. It's really, it's jarring. All right, I got to take another break. Here's what's happening this week on... Welcome back South Coast Tonight. I'm I'm Marcus. Chris is back tomorrow. We've got a good guest. Our Friday night shows are just so fun, too. Really enjoy them. These shows are fun. But our Friday night shows are my favorite. I said I'd do these four shows so I can get the Friday one. I just wanted the Friday one. I said, now you got to do the other four. I was like, all right, fine. I'll do that. No, um, but uh, I'll be with you for another hour. I'm here till 10, and you're here till 10 with me. You can give me a call in the 9 o'clock hour at 508-996-0500. I did want to, if you want to continue the conversation on the um, Biden's marijuana uh, executive order, that's cool. Um, kind of open phone lines. And I did want to talk about a couple of ballot questions. You know, the big ones, the ones that you the ones that you're really thinking about all the time. I'll talk about the other ones at some point, but these ones I'll, you know, we'll get into a, you know, just talk about the state of those of those, uh, I guess, elections. All right. 
I'll see you guys on the other side of the 9 o'clock hour after the news. See ya.